Hi, everyone. It's Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. The question I've just had submitted now is a beautiful one on hormones, on perimenopause, on the, the big conversation around how we are changing so dramatically through hormonal periods in our life. Um, so right from birth through to adolescence, again, pregnancy, uh, postpartum and childbirth-related hormonal changes, and for women then perimenopause, menopause. Um, and this is all natural parts of ageing, and men also have their own hormonal surges. So for men, they generally have 24-hour hormone cycles. So within one day, they can be in a consistent flow with their energy highs and lows, and essentially like just the hunger their body has for not just food but any sort of input, and they can moderate that at a rhythm uh, daily. For women, for menstruating women, we're working on monthly cycles. So our hormones are changing really differently to men's throughout the month. And I want to talk about this first before I talk about perimenopause and menopause. Um, I really love talking about hormones in the body because I think that's where a lot of the wisdom lies, where a lot of growth happens and where the places where we might be hiding from ourselves, faking it, masking, pushing through, pretending, there's just no space for that when we enter this deeply hormonal sacred portal of truth. So um, in a nutshell, but we have roughly four weeks, hormonally speaking, for a woman's cycle. Um, and this may or may not follow the moon, and that doesn't matter. But if you are a woman who's not bleeding, you can follow the moon uh, stages and phases to allow yourself to be in this menstrual woman type of reflective process, which is this. Um, week one and day one of the menstrual cycle is with your first bleed at day one. And that's usually where we're coming from a low energy place. And little by little, as we're bleeding, the body is building up slowly from low energy to accumulating um, literally like more energy to be extroverted. So we start very introverted and inwards and low energy based on our hormones and just the releasing of blood. You know, it takes work for the body to menstruate. So there's this sense of slowing down and potentially for the first few days of your period, you might want to be at home and doing as little as possible. And you also may not have the tolerance to be around people or to want to be around people that you really want your own autonomy with how you use your body and how you use your energy. So in a perfect world, we're probably more staying close to home. Then as that week builds up, we start to wake up more, become slightly more um, extroverted to want to be out in the world to be seen. And that moves us towards the second week where we're working up towards ovulation. So we're getting more and more energy, more and more physical strength and more and more interest in other people in the world out there. Um, as we reach the 14th day of our ovulation, that's when we are actually at our hormonal best. We're at our physical, um, we're at our strongest. We're mentally more thinking more clearly Um we're sort of more creative, we're more out there, we're more confident. So our hormones are really sort of turning it on because we want, we're, we're fertile, right? So at some level, the body is looking 
for that magical partner to create a baby. So it's really a creative time. It's a flirtatious time and the body is showing the world its best version of itself. So after um, ovulation, then we move into week three. Now, week three is when we start to become more porous, more disorganized. It's a time of decay. It's a time of slowing down. We go from peak extroversion into wanting to being a little bit less tolerant of other people and drawing inwards towards ourselves. And I've heard week three described as the time where everything in our life that's sort of not quite working is intensified. And so people who annoy us suddenly really annoy us or commitments and agendas that we've committed to are suddenly really inconvenient and difficult and, you know, um, it's exacerbated. So they say open week three is a time of reflecting on, okay, what's working? What do I need to let go of, postpone, reschedule, delete, automate? Start to organise your life to be more um, sorted, more doable, more achievable, more meaningful and we notice those friction points. Now, week four is a beautiful, beautiful time of retreat, cocooning, hibernation. This is when we come into our intu intuitive self, so hormonally we become very porous, probably more quiet. We may have vivid dreams, intuitions, symbolisms. This is where we can really enter the mystery and that spiritual place, um, whatever your spiritual beliefs are and how you connect to the world, but this is a time of really entering that dream space, place of imagination where there is a lot of potent power. And part of that, I think, is to a certain extent, we live in a world that's very much about external authorities, external agendas, external regimes and prescriptions, do this, do that, work like this, wear this, eat that, say this, say that, be here, you know. So it's all very externally driven or patriarchal, and this is coming from, you know, thousands of years of humanity unfolding culturally. So as women really learn to embrace and enjoy that fourth week of their menstruation and to really come into the cocoon of themselves, to understand themselves, their ideas, their dreams, their fears, they get to know their power and they become much less influenced by the outer world. Why? Because they know themselves, they know their own dreams and they're really accessing their truth and depth in their body. So if women, menstrual women, were in that uh, phase of reflection, that week one, we're sort of going from this slow place. We've just been through our intuitive dream time. We're bleeding and slow and heavy. And then we start waking up the energy. We start moving out into the world by week two. We're getting more and more vibrancy, more and more interconnected, more and more creative, stronger, more physical um, week two is a great time to do all your physical jobs that take effort and energy because that's when the body's at its strongest. So whether it's um, sporting activities that really push push you a little bit further, that's a great time to try that. Whereas in week one, I tend to be doing um, strong, strong-ish, but like really gently pacing it up towards the end of the week in week one. And those first few days of menstruating would be total rest, barely even doing laundry. So, yeah, we're slowly building up how we participate in the world and how we use our body, coming to that peak of energy and vibrancy and extrovertedness at the ovulation and then slowly toning it down again. So in that week three, we still have energy. We're still pretty strong, 
but that's when we don't want to be necessarily out taxing other people and cooking other people meals. That's probably more week two. Week three, we want to be more looking at how can I use this energy to suit me, to organize my life, to wrap up loose ends, to not have emotional clutter and emotional experiences that I just haven't had time to process and digest. So spending that energy on yourself and getting things done for yourself, no matter how practical that is, getting out there and doing it um, so that then you can fully switch off and retreat as much as possible in week four. So you might think, what's this got to do with perimenopause? I think to a certain extent, once we enter perimenopause and menopause, we're getting a prolonged experience of that week three that I was talking about. So from a life point of view, we're no longer an infant or young child. We're not a young woman. We're not even in the peak of our motherhood. We're starting to move more into um the MAGA phase of life. And there's many different archetypal words for this. Some people call it empress, queen, um, but it comes before crone. So we're not quite yet in our complete elder uh, stage of life, but we're also not in the thick of being fertile and parenting. So as a mother, when we're in our physical strong point and we're still bleeding and we're mothering, we have lots of hormones um, and estrogen that give us a want to be with other people. We want to cook for people. We want to clean and taxi them. It actually gives us a lot of fulfillment and joy, that othering. Whereas as we come into perimenopause and menopause, our hormones are literally changing in a way that says, I don't want to cook for you. I do not want to taxi you and I do not want to clean up. It's like the boundaries and the level of tolerance really drops. We start to want to really turn our energy and attention around inwards towards ourselves to be authentic, to be true to our body. And as we go through this perimenopause, menopause stage, a lot of the patterns in our life and the things that are not working well are exacerbated. And that includes our symptomatology. So you might be noticing throughout perimenopause that you will want to direct a lot more of the energy you have inwards towards yourself. And I think that's a really great and necessary thing to do to make up for any lost time. You may, you may not have had awareness of your menstrual cycle in the younger years, so you didn't have that week one, two, three, four reflective process. So it's not too late to start. And that's how you can use the phases of the moon if you're no longer breathing, that we've got the week one phase of the moon where the moon is growing through crescent to half moon. Then week two, it's growing from half moon to full moon. Week three, it's waning now from full moon to the final quarter moon. And the fourth week, it's waning again all the way through waning crescent to new moon. So you can still follow all of that reflective process without a menstrual cycle keying into the moon if you wish. But yes, I mean, the person who submitted this question said how helpful the Rocksteady program has been for them to dive deeper into this self-inquiry process with all those skills and tools of self-compassion, body scanning, pausing, journaling, awareness, you know, really understanding our body through this perimenopausal phase. So as the body is changing, our sensory load will be changing, our executive load will be changing as the hormones are re-establishing themselves and doing whatever it is they need to do. Our physical strength can change, our mental clarity can change, our tinnitus, dizziness, vertigo, migraines, all of that can change. But what is the body telling you? I think it's important to not ask why do I feel this way or how do I balance my hormones, but rather 
what wisdom am I learning from the body? In what ways have my boundaries been violated so now I have a migraine? In what ways are people not treating me respectfully? In what ways am I giving my energy away to other people instead of redirecting my energy back into me? Where am I not being kind enough to myself? Are there ways I can slow down and have more time to be in my cocoon and to retreat and to tap into my intuition? The reason I think I find hormonal periods so potent um, is because of what I consider this energetic porousness that I have experienced very deeply, particularly through pregnancy, birthing and postpartum. It was like for me, I had a really long postpartum period that was extremely tender, um, very, very powerful. Um, it was it was nine months, but, you know, possibly a little bit longer of feeling energetically extremely porous, which was like I could feel everything entering me. Um, I, I felt like my entire inner world, it was like a house of cards that had just been completely blown over. It was like all of my internal mental systems had been in disarray and disorganized. So I was extremely vulnerable, extremely sort of groundless, directionless, lost. But on the outside, I had seeking balance. I had a career. I had a husband. I had kids. I had everything sorted on the outside. But on the inside, I was an absolute mess of reorganization. I literally felt like I fell apart into a million pieces. And I consciously, carefully, lovingly, compassionately pieced myself to better bit together again bit by bit. It was the most extraordinary process. And my experience of that, because of the work I do and because I'm so fascinated by the sensory body and chronic symptoms and the spiritual side of it, even though it was groundless and scary and I did, um, I had like a, almost like an identity crisis. I had to figure out who I was again. I was really willing to go through that discomfort. I was really willing to body scan, be present, be kind, be compassionate, to spend as much time breastfeeding in bed with my baby as I could. And the beauty of a postpartum is that it is socially acceptable to have supports, to have someone come in and clean your house, to have people drop off meals, to, to be in bed and to rest. And there was a real gift in that. And I wonder for those of you in perimenopause and menopausal stages, whether we're actually lacking as a global culture a space that's the equivalent of that postpartum for the perimenopausal or menopausal woman, that it's not as socially accepted to rest, to take time out. And I think as women, we need to be speaking up. We need to be advocating. We need to be lovingly educating our family and friends that I need time to myself. I need I need self-nourishment. Uh, and what realistically, you need whatever you need, but to voice it and to figure that out, how you nurture and nourish yourself and how you begin to gain clarity of the patterns that are unhelpful for you, the relationships, the careers, um, the habits, the foods, like in what ways could you have more nourishment entering your body? And in what ways can you identify the unhelpful? We can think of them as the invisible toxins that are entering your body and need to be released and digested and excreted. So, for that process of excretion and digestion, I always encourage people to move towards their creative outlets, um, you know, walking, writing, poetry, singing, music, dancing, cooking, craft of any form, you know, allow yourself that embodied time to be with what isn't working and literally move it through your body. 
um, doing all that rock steady work on body scanning and firming up your boundaries. When we're more hormonal, such as perimenopause and many menopausal stages, our boundaries, because we're changing in our identity, we're changing in our sense of self, we're changing in our relationship to the world. By default, we're in this transformational, transitional time. Our boundaries are more porous because when our identity is shaky, we actually don't know who to listen to or what to believe. So all these ideas get in, all these fears, all these thoughts, all these big emotions, and we have to actually digest them. Um, and then just on a side note, um, I've heard it discussed that, you know, the, the, the stage of life that menopause is, is it really is an awakening time for us to pause and digest all of that life experience that we just haven't had time to integrate yet. So that's what I found happened to me in my postpartum time. So there'll be a lot of work I don't need to do in my menopause time because I spent nine months deeply body scanning, very aware, connected, willing, and feeling through a lifetime of childhood flashbacks, really difficult traumatic memories and feelings that I was simply present with. I was body scanning them through my experience and letting my brain and body reintegrate and reorganize a bucket load of undigested life experience. So I think this is all really normal and healthy and it's not necessarily something we can do in a therapist room with a therapist because it's something that we feel through as things arise and that can happen 24 hours a day. So we need the skills and tools to be present, to body scan, to stay in our body so we don't dissociate or fight, flight, freeze, run away and to have the compassion and kindness to trust whatever's coming through us through that body scan, whether it's a thought pattern that's unhelpful that we digest, whether it's a big emotion that we're feeling through because we didn't get to finish feeling it 20 years ago. So just staying with that emotion and letting it move through the body to, to excrete it. Um, so, so to really learn how to use that Rocksteady toolkit to nurture that vulnerable, tender and powerful hormonal transition. Um, really, really great topic, conversation, discussion, and I'm more than happy to have more conversations really focused just on hormones or perimenopause and menopause within our Rocksteady community. So keep the questions coming. To learn more about me and Rocksteady, visit seekingbalance.com.au. It's a bye for now.